Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are. We come to you on a Monday following the NFL Draft. Everything has been taken care of. All the players have been selected. Undrafted free agents have been signed. Lots to get to. Lots to talk about here on Raider Nation Radio 920 on this Monday. But instead of being in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, I'm actually coming to you live from Michelob Ultra Arena. The LV Aces, which of course is family to the Raiders, are having their media day today. So very excited about the opportunity to be out here. And as all the ladies and coaches are going through the what we like to call the car wash of media day, they're taking pictures, they're doing interviews, uh, just a whole lot of stuff. And when you, that goes on, when media days goes on for any kind of team, that's when you know that the season is right around the corner. Of course, we air all the Las Vegas Aces home games on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. So very excited about the opportunity to be out here and on top of that anytime that I can be out of the studio and no offense to DeMond because I always love kicking it with DeMond but anytime I can be outside the studio you know it's a good thing so coming to you live from the Michelob Ultra Arena on this Monday it's going to be a whole lot of fun we got two hours long two hours strong and then my man Vinny Bonsignor is going to close things out in the huddle 4 to 6 p.m. Got plenty of good guests to get to coming up on today's show. I mentioned ESPN in Las Vegas, which is, again, the home of the LV Aces basketball games, their home games. We're going to have my guy Ed Graney. He's going to join the show at 2.30 from the press box. Matter of fact, his uh, his running mate, Tyler Bischoff, is here right now. He's hanging out, getting some good stuff, some stuff you can hear on the press box between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., so he's here as well. Uh, a lot of our good friends here in the in the media are here, like Deshaun Reed is here, Brian Salmon is here, uh, Paloma Villacana is here, and many, many others. And so uh, it's just a good time to, to have a good time, as I like to say. So we're here kicking it. But uh, Ed Graney is going to join us at 2.30 on the show to talk about the Raiders and their draft class and, and what he thought about the draft class. And not to mention, he's also going to talk about a piece that he put out on the Review Journal. He does a fantastic job whenever he, he puts pen to paper. But he put out a piece about Zamir White, who was the Raiders' fourth-round draft pick, number 122 overall, and the adversity that he's had to deal with in his life, even as a child, even before he was born. It was really a good piece. I definitely encourage you to go check it out on the Review Journal. We'll talk to Ed about that, but then we'll also talk about the entire draft class of the Silver and Black. All six players, they went into the draft having five draft picks. They left six. So we'll we'll talk to Ed about the draft class. We'll talk to him about the expectations of those players, how many he thinks can go in there and contribute immediately, and, and, and what really stood out to him about the new regime under Dave Ziegler, the GM, and of course Champ Kelly, the assistant GM, Josh McDaniels, the head coach. We'll, we'll talk to him about just what he learned from them this past weekend. So that's coming up at 2.30. And, of course, we want to hear from you as well. Raider Nation at 702-365-9200. And the Sam and Ash text line, wide open like some old school TV antennas at 69187, keyword R&R. Also coming up on the show today at 3 o'clock, we'll have Coach Becky Hammond. She is the head coach of the LV Aces. Comes over from the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, has history with this team, the Aces. And so very excited to talk to Coach Hammond. That's going to come up at 3 o'clock. At 3.20, we'll have 
Chelsea Gray, who is a member of the LV Aces, big-time player uh, representing Hayward, California, and also the 209. Uh, we're going to talk to her as well coming up at 320. And then we'll close things out today with the former MVP. That's Asia Wilson. She'll join the show at about 340. So we have a lot to get to on today's show. Again, starting off the week in, in, in the best way possible. Starting off the week uh, on location, man. This is this is fantastic. Definitely enjoy that. I know my man Demond, who's back in the home studios, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios, was out uh, throughout the course of the week for the draft and uh, interviewed a lot of fans, a lot of folks in the the draft. And Demond, before we get started, I'd like to bring you into the show and just what was your experience like? That was your first draft, and I know you didn't get to spend as much time as you would like to be at the draft uh, on Las, on the strip there on Las Vegas Boulevard and and all over really Las Vegas in general. But from what you were able to do and how much you were able to take in, what was your experience like? First off, it was good to see people stop me and be like, hey, Demond, or if I talk to somebody <laughs> and say Raider Nation Radio, did they listen to the show? So that was like a big, hey, man, people were actually listening. It's always good to that get surprised that surprised you? <laughs> that surprised you? Yeah, man. Hey, man, look. Wait, hold on, man. I'm You're dealing saying, with the expert, homeboy. You can't be surprised. Nobody's, but it's just like it was gratifying. That's what, that's what I'm trying to I say. I got you. I got you. Because even talking to some media members, it's like, hey, man, you're here. You're 25, man. You got, and it was just like, hey, thank you. But actually, when it's when it came to talking to fans, it was great because not only the people from Vegas, because there were a lot of locals out, but just the people. Hey, I'm here from Texas. I'm here from Ohio. I'm from California. It was just like, man, people made the trip. And they were just excited with the team not having a first-round pick but still coming all three days. Right. It was just like, wow. (laughs) No, it really was cool. And that's the thing, man. With them not having a first-round pick or even a second-round pick, you know, I was wondering what the anticipation was going to be like. I was wondering what Raider Nation was going to – how they were going to represent. And they represented from – I would like to say they started representing, I think, on Wednesday. You know what I mean? I don't even think they waited until the first round of the draft. They started representing on Wednesday in a major way and uh, just being able to kind of walk around. And that's what I did. I actually parked my car at the TI on Thursday, and I walked all the way to the scene of where the actual draft was taking place and just soaked in what I was able to see and uh, just thought it was great to see everybody out having a good time. And I know throughout the course of the weekend, everyone really soaked it in having that NFL draft experience. And I think Las Vegas did a great job. Uh, it's definitely not going to be the last time that the draft is here in Las Vegas. Now, I know it's in Kansas City next year, but uh, you give it a few years, and the NFL draft will be right back here in Las Vegas. They did a fantastic job. The fans did a great job. There, I didn't see any, you know, any dust-ups or anything and, and stuff like that. It was just, it was, I think, a good time by all oh, that man. was had. I saw, like, as I was leaving the Raider draft party from Dre's, it was just a picture galore of Raider fan Steeler fans and Cowboy fans all talking about the rings, but they were all coming together for a group picture, but still <laughs> talking trash as the picture's being taken. Right. Well, that's what they're so supposed to great. do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to take a lot of uh, good pictures and talk a lot of good trash, and that's what it is when you get every fan base. And that's what I was trying to explain leading up to the draft, that when you actually get in there and you see all 32 fan bases represented, and you see everyone uh, decked out, and I'm telling you, man, fans come, and they, I mean, you want to think about getting dressed up for a game these guys got dressed up for the whole three-day weekend that was the draft you know what i mean like they really got dressed up they showed out in a major way represented for their team they tried to be the loudest and the proudest and and again i just thought it was a it was a really good time to have a good time uh at the nfl draft and, and like i said i think las vegas did a fantastic job putting on so uh, man I, I i don't know if about you but on sunday i kind of had a, a quick second to just take a deep breath and say Whew, all right, that was great. That was fun. 
Now let me get about 12 seconds of rest, and then we'll get back at it. <laughs> so. Oh, the, the sleep, the nap I took on the couch yesterday was just great. <laughs> I bet. I bet, because I'm telling you, man, there was so much work that was put in uh, on the backside during the, during the draft, after the draft. I mean, there was so much that was going on, but I think that everyone uh, from you to Jared to, you know, Doug and all the folks there with the Raiders, I think everyone did a great job of being able to uh, hold it down and make sure that our coverage of the draft was uh, second to none. So uh, hats off to everybody that contributed in that. And, of course, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, 702-365-9200 and Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. As I mentioned, I know we have a very busy, especially second hour, going to be uh, heavily involved with the, the LV Aces, which are family members of the Raiders, owned by Raiders owner Mark Davis, which I think is super cool. That's another great reason to be here as well is that we're we're – on Raider Nation Radio 920, but the owner of the Raiders also owns the Aces, and he is so passionate about this team and, and what they're going to put out there on the court. And their first uh, game is on Friday, and then their first home game is actually on Sunday. So uh, just think that that's just a perfect marriage, you know, and that's that's why we are here today just representing. And I, like I said, I know that the second hour is going to be super busy, but uh, in in between uh, interviews, we definitely want to want to hear from you, so make sure you uh, hit us up. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, the Raiders signed about 10 to 12 undrafted free agents following the draft, and we'll go through their names a little bit later on in the show, but they selected six players. They started the draft with five. They made a couple trades here and there, and they got to six. And so what I want to hear, I want to throw it out there to you. I want to hear your response. Uh, who are you excited about? What draft pick or draft picks got you going? You know, what do you think was the overall feeling? How do you feel about what this new regime, who we had no idea what to expect? At least I had no idea. I'm usually pretty good, or I feel like I'm pretty good at pegging, uh, you know, a certain direction that a team is going to go. Sometimes I might not get the players right, but I usually have a pretty good idea of who they're going to select as far as, uh, you know, draft what, what position they play. I had no clue. I wasn't even, I wasn't even close to being right at all. They went in the third round. They picked Dylan Parham. He was the, the first guy selected, picked number 90 overall uh, out of Memphis. Then they got running back Zamir White in round four, pick 122. He comes out of Georgia. Then uh, defensive lineman Neil Farrell, uh, round four, 126. Defensive lineman Matthew Butler, round five, pick 175 out of Tennessee. Thayer Mumford, the tackle, uh, could kick inside. He uh, was round seven, pick 238. And then running back Britton Brown, also round seven, pick 250. So if you have to look at one of those guys that was selected by the Silver and Black over the course of the weekend, uh, let me know who are you particularly excited about and what was your overall feelings about what the Raiders did during the draft. I know there was a lot of confidence that Raider Nation had in this new regime. Everyone said, in Dave we trust, in Champ Kelly we trust, in this new regime we trust. Well, how do you feel now that you saw the results of what the draft was and were you close to thinking you know, hey, I think that they're going to go for a, a Dylan Parham. I think maybe they'll they'll get a running back or two, like they did in the cases of Amir White and Britton Brown. Uh, I think that that was probably a lot of uh, pretty surprising to a lot of people that they went and selected two running backs. But I do believe that the Raiders in general just kind of stuck to that philosophy: the best player available. You know, and whoever they they felt was highly rated on their board, but at, at the time that they were selecting. That's exactly who they went for with. So definitely want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at the, the throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200. Dave Ziegler, 
the GM and Josh McDaniels, they both tag-teamed a, a media session following the draft. And so I wanted to play a couple little sound bites from uh, what they had to say about their whole process and, and just talking about what they did in, in the draft and how they felt about it. So uh, we'll get to a couple of little sound bites from that as well. But like I said, definitely want to hear from you. So uh, if you look at the, the players that were selected and the positions, it's so funny. I, I consider it like Noah's Ark, like uh, everyone came in twos. They got two offensive linemen, two running backs, and two defensive linemen. That was what their six picks were, two of each. And so uh, the question was asked to uh, Dave Ziegler, as a matter of fact, about was there a theme to drafting offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and running backs, uh, you know, having two of each? Yeah, I don't think it was a theme we saw coming in. That's just kind of how it ended up ended up working out. Those were the players that were available. Um, just like Josh said, everybody has – uh, certain types of players that that you look for, right? That, you know, every certain teams like a certain style of whether it be a certain style of running back, a certain style of offensive lineman, defensive lineman, corner, whatever it is. So you know, th- those are going to maybe drive that you know drive in terms of like what what we like maybe versus what's what someone else's values. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a we didn't go in and set out a plan and say, hey, we're going to draft interior linemen and interior t- you know uh, offensive linemen and power running backs you know that's how it kind of came together those were the players that were there those are the players that we felt fit fit the system and and then we selected them I was okay with it you hear Dave Ziegler right there talking about the selection of the two offensive linemen two defensive linemen and also the two running backs and and I really like the fact that they uh, approached the trenches you know worked on the trenches I know I talked about leading into the draft go get a corner go get a linebacker this that and the other you know I had my idea of what I thought that they were going to do and what I thought that they needed who they needed but in the end of the day man the trenches is something that they uh, addressed and I'm excited about it you know I'm excited about the competition that the offensive linemen are going to bring to the table, you know, getting a couple of them that are, are versatile guys. That's another thing, and we talked about it quite a bit on Friday's show leading into the round two and round three of the of the draft, but the versatility of these guys is something that they talked about quite a bit leading into the process, and uh, even when they first signed on, when they first got hired by Mark Davis, is that, hey, you know, the, the players that we want to bring into this to this team are guys that are very, very versatile and can fit with, uh, you know, what we want to do in a multiple uh, style and, and multiple different ways. And that's exactly what they did. You know, Dylan Parham is a guy that could play center. He could play guard. He's going to give all those guys a lot of competition, provide some competition along that offensive line when they get to training camp. You know, and I think that that's what it's what's so important is having that competition, making everyone earn their job, regardless if you're a former first-round pick, if you're an undrafted free agent, if you're a former third-round pick. None of that should matter. All that matters is that the best guys are out there and uh, they all have the opportunity to compete and, and be the, you know, the starting five as far as the offensive line goes. So I, I really like Dylan Parham. Uh, Thayer Munford is a guy that I was actually kind of surprised he was still around in, uh, in round seven at pick number 238 to, to go and pick him up. And he's a guy that played tackle for a couple seasons out of Ohio State and then his final year uh, played guard, you know, kicked inside. So, again, that shows that versatility and uh, uh, that's going to provide a, a bunch of competition along that offensive line. And, and we saw last year how many different players they had to roll out there and different uh, guys that they had to put in position due to injury. You know, Richie Incognito was supposed to be on the court, never did hit the court, or on the field, never did hit the field. You know, Denzel Good only lasted one game because he tore his ACL, and I thought he was going to be a major, major player for the team last season. Unfortunately, he just tore his ACL, and that's just what happens sometimes. You know, I mean, that's, that's how this game of football goes. And so that was unfortunate, but I'm excited 
excited to see what Denzel Good looks like when he's back into the mix. But, man, I'll tell you that uh, offensive line room is really starting to shape up. I think there's a lot to like about it. And then, of course, there's a, a, a lot to like about that defensive line, something that they addressed in a major way uh, in free agency. You know, they made sure that they had a, a, a attention to detail as far as the style and the type of guys they wanted at that defensive tackle position when it came to uh, the big dudes. You know, they wanted guys that were 300-plus pounds. You know, you look at Neil Fer uh, Farrell uh, out of LSU, this dude was is like 330 pounds. This dude's a big-time run stuffer. You know, this is a guy that's going to be able to get in there, and I think he's going to actually get into the mix and be able to compete for a, a, a part of the rotation early on. Uh, Matthew Butler, I know a lot of folks were high on him coming out of Tennessee. You know, he was there in round five. I think all in all, honestly, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, I think they had a pretty good draft. I'm not going to say they knocked it out of the park and had an A-plus. not going to do that. I think they – I mean, it, it, I don't like putting grades on it, but if I had to, I'd say they, they did about a B. You know, they did, they did well. I think that they got some quality players and, and are going to provide some quality competition. I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, they, they knocked it out of the park and it was an A-plus and, you know, Super Bowl bound. I'm not going to do that to you because I'm just not in that business. But um, as far as, you know, being satisfied with what they did, sure, absolutely. So, Raider Nation, I'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. And also got the Salmon Ash text line wide open like some old school TV antenna 69187. We're here at Michelob Ultra Arena right now. LV Aces are having their media day. There's a lot of players walking around. There's a, uh, I, I, I said a lot of players. I met the players that play on the court, but then Brian Salmon's here, and he's all in his, in his suit and everything. So he's got he's to have player status just the way he's dressed and everything. So he's a player as well. <laughs> That's my guy, though. So uh, he, he's doing his thing. But, uh, yeah, we're just we're having a good time. So definitely uh, appreciate the next uh, hour and about 45 minutes that we will be here. Uh, got a couple texts that I want to get to real quick. Glenn in San Jose said, what up, Q and DeMond? I can see Neil uh, Farrell Jr. as a third down specialist already. The way he can stuff holes and even get into the backfield, he is scary good. And that's what I like about him. He doesn't have to be a guy that's playing all the time. The way that you saw them beef up that defensive line of free agency lets it be known that they want a healthy rotation. They want a healthy rotation of the guys. It's not just one guy that they're counting on. I've, I've, heard, uh, I've heard him compared to Jonathan Hankins already. And as we all know, Jonathan Hankins has been a very steady player for the Raiders for, uh, for, for some time now. And we know that he's very familiar with Patrick Graham and his system. So uh, if you can get a guy that's something close to Jonathan Hankins and be part of a rotation, that's all you could really ask for, right? So, and you're getting him in round four? There's nothing wrong with that uh we got another text here from sir whiskey ray q and d i was extremely happy with our draft picks we stocked up on the offensive line and defensive tackle you can never have enough depth at these positions as we all know draft picks in all rounds are a gamble i really hope that this year's draft class works out and will make an immediate impact here in 2022 i truly believe in our new regime looking forward to a competitive training camp here coming up again that's from sir whiskey ray and that's all you can ask for man you can only ask for guys that can go in there and compete and make the guys who are in front of them work even, even that much harder. You know, don't let anybody take any position for granted. You know, hey, you got this, this, uh, this job right now. You were a former first-round pick. Doesn't mean that that's your job forever. You know, it just means that you got to go in there and work that much harder. I like that. I think that that's exactly the, the, the way that things should be, you know, done. That's how you should take care of business. Make, make these guys earn their job each and every day. And that's not being harsh on them. It's just the reality of it. You know, it's just competition makes everyone that much more sharp. So, uh, you know, like I said, very satisfied with what I saw from the draft class. Uh, I know a lot of people have hit me up and said that, hey, man, your boy John McClain gave the Raiders a D. What is that all about? And, uh, you know, some people were questioning if I was going to ask him. Of course I'm going to ask him. He'll be on the show tomorrow. He'll join us at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, and I'll ask him because I, I don't know what he saw from the team that made him
D. I don't even know if he said a D. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> so I didn't hear him say it, but it, but I'll ask him. I sure will ask him tomorrow, you know, what he's seeing and what he's thinking. Maybe he's talking about the fact that they didn't have a first or second round pick. I don't know. I can't speak for him, but he'll join the show tomorrow at 3 o'clock, and he could talk about that. Uh, one other big takeaway from the draft, and a lot of people have been talking about, it, is the fact that the Raiders went and got two running backs, Zamir White and Britton Brown. Uh, White was in the fourth round. Britton Brown was in the seventh round. And, of course, that comes, what, a day after or two days after the Raiders declined the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. What does that mean? To me, that doesn't mean anything major, like, oh, Josh isn't going to be around this year. He's going to get traded this year. I don't see that. I just see uh, running backs that have a lot of wear and tear. I see what they were doing in, in New England and the fact that there's a lot of uh, running backs in the stable that they have. They like to employ uh, a lot of uh, running backs, and it's just, it's just kind of what it is. Matter of fact, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they both talked about uh, the running back room and the competition that it's going to have now. I would say running back's just a tough position in the league. You know, those guys take a pounding, and it's a physical position. And, um, you know, being able to add, you know, young players there um, to compete, to see if they can find a role. And, again, it goes back to, to what was available, you know, and, and the best players that were available, um, you know, when it, when it was our turn to pick. And, you know, there was Amir was there and Britton was there. And um, so we selected those players. If it would have been, you know, different, if there was other players there, if it would have been, you know, two tight ends or two receivers that happened to uh, – be there that was that were our you know the, who we thought were the best available th- bull at the time we would have taken those players too so it was kind of a product of the way that the board fell um, but again you can never have enough good players at any one position we've talked about it from the beginning we want to build depth and competition that's a very going to be a very important part of this program and it was an opportunity to um, take some swings and add two good players that happened to be at the running back position most camps we're going to have at minimum six and probably more more likely seven at that position anyway and it just so happens that we're kind of at that number so we're you know we're, we're working towards what we're going to eventually need anyhow and um you know each position's at a little bit of a different stage in terms of yeah. finalizing it but the backs are you know it's just one of many that we're going to have to you know figure out how to you know fill it out as we go towards training camp here So there you go right there. You heard from both Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler about the competition in the running back room and how they want six or seven guys. And, look, they've addressed it in free agency, but now they've addressed it as well in the draft. And I'm okay with that. Remember that those guys could do special teams as well. They're not just running back. They're not just only one position. I mean, they can go out there. You're going to need guys that can get after it uh, by way of special teams. And so they're going to be able to do that too. And, you know, if they earn their spot on the roster, they're going to have to do it by, uh, you know, really contributing in a major way. That's fine. It's not a reason to overreact to the, you know, to, to the drafting of those guys and the declining of the fifth-year option for Josh Jacobs. Now, does that mean that they're going to go and give him a big long-term deal? No, I don't think that either. <laughs> you know, I don't think that at all. But I just think that we know what the value of running backs are. In the league, whether it's fair or not, I don't think it's fair, but it is what it is. You know, that's exactly what, you know, they they have, the league has gone to and the value that they put on that position, which I think is a very valuable position. Uh, They go through a lot. They, uh, you know, they're getting hit and banged up all the time. And now you're just seeing the value drop and drop and drop when it comes to running backs. Let's take a call real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Who? Oh, okay. Well, let's talk to Dave B in the 757. My apologies. Dave B, welcome to the show. Hey, Q. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, so I shot you the 
in the uh, pod thread. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the PFF, you know, the prognosticators of all prognosticators in terms of, <laughs> of player personnel, those grades are in. And it's very, very interesting to see that the New England Patriots, with, that, with the, you know, this being their first draft without Ziegler and company in house, they, their grade was a D. A D. Mm. Whereas we came in as a B plus, which 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 is fantastic, you know. And right. going over to our, our, our yeah, and going over to our draft picks, you know. And, and I'm only going to speak to our first one in Purim, and the versatility aspect. That gentleman not only played center, he played guard, and tackle. And oh, by the way, he came into college as a tight end. So yeah. that speaks to the versatility. Yep, came plays straight into that versatility aspect. And I'll tell you what, in taking those big hog mollies that we took at defensive <laughs> tackle, you, yeah. know, you just have to look at look at who's on our schedule and who who we have to stop this year. We've got right. Tennessee with that with that big man across the ball, right? And in, 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 in Henry, we've got Alvin Kamara and the Saints coming in, you know, coming into town, or or if we're traveling, I don't even know. I, I can't remember the schedule. And oh, by the way, we play the Forty Niners, who like to run so. It just points to the fact that that our new regime is playing is playing checkers. They're not playing right. They're playing chess, not checkers. Right. Got you. Hey, great, great call, my man. I do appreciate it. And and look, stopping the run is something that's very um, important to Patrick Graham and, and this defensive unit. You know, that's something that wasn't as important to Gus Bradley. You know, he really wanted those guys in the interior of the defensive line to get to the quarterback. Patrick Graham is very focused in on stopping the run, as he should be. If you can stop the run, guess what? It makes those guys on the outside. It makes Chandler Jones. It makes Max Crosby's job that much easier. It really does. Now, again, these guys got to put in the work. You know, just because they look the part doesn't mean that they're going to be the part. They got to go out there and they've got to execute. But I mean, everything looks good. And again, I mean, I'm not really a grading type guy, especially a couple days after the draft. It's really hard to grade a, a draft when you don't know what any of these guys are going to look like on the field. But I just think, as far as getting guys that look like they they are good value picks i think that that's i think that's very reasonable and so that's why i can say if i'm if i had to give them a grade i'd just say it's a b i think it, it wasn't anything that was super exciting they didn't go get any home run players that you think oh man that's a game changer but it feels like again it feels like and i say that with the asterisk it feels like they did and got some solid players you know they got some solid additions to the roster which is all that you could ask for now it's up to them to go out there and coach them up it's out there for them, to, the players themselves, to go out there and execute. But it just feels like they handled their business the way they were supposed to. Uh, quick text right now from Big Dub. He said, Q, don't really have a favorite draft pick, but happy that Z-Man and Josh stuck to their board and actually drafted the best available. Go Raiders. I like that. And one more text from Raider Ryan out of Utah. Hey, Q, hey, Damon, a player we picked up, an undrafted free agent that has really uh, got me intrigued is offensive tackle. I'm going to get his name wrong because I continue to. Uh, maybe, Damon, you could take a shot at this one. Uh, Bamadeli Olasini. There you go. I have to say it slow. <laughs> I know he's a big. Bamadeli Olasini. That's exactly how yeah, I said it. There you go. Hey, but I had to say it slow, brother. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to butcher my man's name up any more than I already do. So I'm gonna take that one slow. Uh, but he said, "What a monster! He's probably a project, but if they could bring him along, I think he could be awesome." Uh, thank you for the draft coverage. It was great. Again, that's Raider Ryan from Utah. And yeah, I do know that uh, about Olasini is that he is an absolute monster. And give me a few more times, and I'll be able to say his name. Uh, no, no doubt about. It. I'll be able to say it real, real smooth. You know, I'll be able to roll off the tongue like nothing. But right now, I'm still 
getting used to saying his name. We will go over the undrafted free agents that the, the Raiders have signed so far and where they sit as far as numbers on the roster. We'll do that in a little bit. But coming up next, we're going to be talking to our guy, Ed Graney, from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He'll talk about the Raiders draft class, and he's going to talk about the piece that he put out on the RJ about Zamir White. It was fantastic, and you'll hear about it next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I'm here at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Devon Cotton, he's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I am here for LV Aces Media Day. Going to be talking to Coach Becky Hammond coming up at 3 o'clock. Chelsea Gray will follow her, and then we'll close things out with Asia Wilson, the former MVP. Uh, got a text from FedEx Raider from Denver, Colorado on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Hey, Q, us not having a first-round pick, that was a reach automatically gives us an A grade for this draft. That's from FedEx Raider from Denver. What he means by that is he feels like normally when the Raiders have a first-round pick, they'll make a reach. And so not having that, not having to worry about that reach gives the Raiders an A for his draft class. So uh, thank you, FedEx Raider from Denver, for that. I appreciate you. Make sure you stay safe out there in them streets. Right now, a guy that I know is staying safe in them streets is my guy Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Review Journal. And, Ed, thank you so much for your time. This afternoon, hey, I want, want to talk to you about the whole Raiders draft class, but I really want to focus in off top about Zamir White, the fourth-round uh, pick, number 122, out of Georgia, the running back, and you did a fantastic piece on him in the uh, review journal that I think I texted you maybe on Saturday and was like, hey, great piece on, on Zamir. Uh, I don't even know when it was. The weekend, the days kind of all rolled together, but great piece with him overcoming adversity, even as a young young child, even actually before he was even born, the adversity that went through with him just being born. I mean, just, man, what, what did you think or what were you thinking while you're putting this piece together about Zamir? I mean, what, what a life of adversity, right? Um, yeah. You know, people haven't heard the story when his mom was six months pregnant. He was only one pound. Doctors said it was probably the most uh, smartest thing was to terminate the pregnancy at that point. Um, and his great-great-grandmother said, no, um, if Zamir takes one breath, that's what he's going to take. We're not doing that. So he was born. At birth, he was given two weeks to live, born with a cleft palate um, and other issues. Later on, his kidneys began to leak. So he overcame all that, which was amazing in itself. Uh, grew up, you know, being teased about uh, about his uh, how his mouth looked and how he spoke. Um, but, you know, his, his aunt was the one who said, you know, let them tease you. They can't do what you can do. And as we found out, that was play football at a very, very high level. And then he gets to high school, number one recruit in the country. And what happens? Blows out one ACL. Recovers from that, gets to Georgia to Athens, preseason scrimmage before his sec- before his first year, blows out that the other ACL. I mean, this kid went through so much. Um, so for him to come all the way back through everything he's been through and be a um, fourth-round draft pick of the Raiders where they traded up to get him, and I think he's going to get a really, really strong look at, at kind of either being the guy or competing to be the guy. Uh, just an amazing story. So. I don't know who's going to be tougher in camp, but given all he's been through, there probably won't be many guys tougher than him. I don't know. I don't know what kind of role he's going to play, but my guess is he's not going to, you know, cower down to anybody. 
No, not at all. And like I said, that piece that you put out was fantastic. Uh, it really was just kind of, you know, breaking down everything that you just told us. And so when you know a guy has had to deal with the adversity that he's had to deal with, I mean, what does that tell you about the person himself and kind of, I don't want to say the chip on his shoulder that he may have, but just the, you know, the, the, the power to feel like, hey, I can overcome anything if I overcame everything that I had to deal with uh, growing up. Yeah, you just said it. I, I don't think there's probably obstacles put in his way that he doesn't think he can overcome. And look, you know as well as anyone, it's hard to make that league and it's harder to stay. Um, yep. I know I've heard Raiders say that, and I, I've heard Golden Knights say that about their league. It's hard to make it harder to stay. So I don't think anything they put in front of him is going to um, affect him that much. Um, he's going to have to prove himself, like all these draft picks, prove that he belongs. Um, he was great at Georgia, led Georgia in the rest in the last few years, straight-ahead guy. I remember the national championship. He trucked a few Alabama players, um, mm -hmm. and it's hard to do that against those guys. So, you know, run between the tackles, really, really tough kid after the, after the first contact. And we'll see. He's got a lot of Josh Jacobs in him. It's going to be really interesting, you know. Uh, they did not pick up Josh's fifth-year option. The running back room is full of guys right now. Um, you know, New England's running back by committee. I think Josh and, and Dave seem to be guys at this point who are going to bring the same philosophy in terms of running back by committee and not make one guy you know, a 25-30 carry game guy. I can't say that for sure. Maybe someone emerges and, and, and he's that good. But I think they're going into it thinking a lot of running backs are going to get touches in different ways. And I think Zamir White's going to be one of them. Yeah, I think he's going to be in the mix for sure. We're, again, we're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and uh, also the Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. As far as that competition goes, and, and I do think Josh Jacobs is going to be the guy this year. Uh, who knows after that all bets are off because, as you mentioned, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. But, I mean, can this help, especially with the depth that they have now in the running back room, how much could this help keep Jacobs healthy throughout the course of a 17-game season? I think it helps a lot, especially if Samir White is what we think he is, um, and he can spell him. Um, you know, I think they're both kind of like the same kind of runner, and then you got change of pace guys like you know Kenyon Drake and others. We don't know. I don't know much about. I don't know much about Britton Brown, the kid they took in the seventh round. That's usually a kid who needs to be good on special teams unless he can really open some eyes. And the seventh round is a running back. But yeah, I think this could this could work in a Josh's favor, and we're, we're we're you know we're both saying the same thing here. We don't know if it's going to work out and do another contract. He's obviously playing his last year on this one, and then they're going to see. But I think if Zamir White is as good as they think he is, it could really play into Josh's favor. He might not have the numbers that he wants to have, but maybe he'll be able to be upright and healthy most of the year. How much does that tell you about just the the value or the 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 lack of value for running backs in the NFL now? Yeah, it says a lot. I mean, and it's not just the Raiders. It's all across the league. And I think yep. more and more teams might be going by the way of the Raiders where you have a bunch of people in a room and, and, and guys have different skill sets and you use, you know, as many as you can. And it's not just one guy. So, well, I'm sure Josh was, uh, you know, not happy they didn't pick up the option. Nobody would be. You want him to pick up that fifth-year option, especially for the millions of dollars it would have meant. Um, mm. You know, he gets a chance to prove himself. And if he doesn't, you know, if not the Raiders, someone else, right? I mean, you know, they – same with Cleve Farrell, same with John Abram. I mean, now they have a chance to prove themselves if they're given the opportunity. And um, when it comes to running backs across the league, I think this is a, you know, a, a pretty stern, but true, like you say, it's a truthful message that's put out there. You don't want to see guys you know, upset or you know, thinking they deserve stuff, um, but this is a pretty honest message that the Raiders sent by not picking up the option and then by taking two running backs in the draft, given how many people are already in the room. What did you think about the offensive linemen that they were able to pick up? I mean, that's what they did. They addressed the trenches, and they addressed the running back.
and all guys that can uh, you know participate in, in between the tackles because the running backs also can run between the tackles. But they really focus in on the trenches. Dylan Parham was round three's pick, and then uh, Thayer Mumford was in round seven. Uh, what do you think about those two guys, and, and how much competition do you think they bring to the offensive line room? Well, Tyler and I had a discussion on the radio this morning, uh, back and forth. It was a heated discussion. We love to have those. Um, where <laughs> I informed him, I informed him I never grade drafts, and and I'm glad Paul Gutierrez right. of ESPN came on uh, at uh, at the end of our show and said, "Well, we know in two to three years." So I'm like, I was clapping loud that nobody heard, uh, and I'm sure Bischoff was not happy with that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, look, we know this, uh, and this is kind of how I look at drafts. I told Tyler is that when they go into drafts. I say, okay, what positions are they in need at? And we knew offensive line they were in need at, right? So to get a guard, tackle, center, whatever he's going to be, Dylan Parham, they say he's a versatile guy, you know, that's what they needed to do. How good he's going to be, I have no idea. Thayer Munford, I have no idea. I think we'll know that in time. But given what they have at offensive line now, you'd think both get an opportunity to really compete for spots. Um, the one thing right. I thought was interesting on their draft, and I know Vinny wrote about it for the paper, when Josh McDaniels was at the owners' meetings, he said this, and Paul told, you know, repeated it on our show this morning, that no matter what the position, they were going to take the top guy on their board. So if it meant taking 3D tackles or two running backs or a guard and an offensive tackle and, and, and no safeties, no corners, because I think people probably looked at their draft and said, man, you didn't get depth in the secondary in the draft. Now, they did sign yeah. some undrafted free agents that gives them depth if those guys pan out. But I will say this for Josh McDaniels, they, they, they stayed true to what they said. Um, it means they have nine or ten defensive tackles right now, and that's going to weed itself out. Those guys aren't all making the team. But he did say right. this at the owners' meetings that this is how he's going to draft. So I give him credit for that, that you know he kind of stayed to his guns, and these are the best guys on their boards. And now more than ever in this organization, since I've been around it, more than ever I think there will be competition for every spot. I think these guys, right. Ziggler and McDaniels, are just about competition. And if you're good enough, you're going to play. And if you're not, you're not. And it doesn't matter who you are. I agree. I agree 100%. And, and that's part of the, the thing, uh, Ed, is that these weren't their guys anyway. You know, so they have no ties right. to these guys. They don't have right. any allegiance where they have to make it work because, well, there was a highly draft pick or a, high, a highly picked guy. They don't have those. So, I mean, yep. they can literally, like you said, have the competition and may the best man win. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, well, then, hey, I didn't draft that guy. No. I wrote about that earlier in the week in the draft. It's like it's a prove it now. It's a prove it now franchise. Go ahead and prove it. Um, and they, I think they right. sent that message to the three guys. They didn't pick the up. The options are: if you're good enough, you'll prove it, and maybe there'll be another contract at hand. If in that fact, that's what you want, because now as non fifth year guys, they're going to have some. You know, they'll have some saying it also at the end of the year. But um, I like that man. I I I love the fact that they've come in and, like you said, Q, they have no allegiances to anyone. And if you want to win. It's a brutal league. It's, you know, you have to be honest with guys. You know, it's a cutthroat league. If you want to win and you want to be good and you want to be the best, and this is what I like about most about these two guys so far is that if you listen to McDaniels, I mean, he said it two or three times the other day to us, competition at every spot. Just come in and compete, and the best guys win the job. And that's how you win in the league. I mean, you don't, there should, the favors and all that other loyalty, um, you know, it's not, it's not preps or, or anything like that. It's, it's the NFL. Um, you should play the best guys, and I think he'll do that. Yeah, I do too. I really do. And I'll tell you, I feel like uh, as we were kind of uh, going around the draft and, and DeMond did a lot of good work as far as, you know, talking to different fans that were there, I, I got the sense that the fan base was really calm and cool and confident in, in this new regime that they were going to make the right decision. I don't see, and maybe you've seen it, I haven't seen a lot of questioning any of the moves that the Raiders have made. I haven't seen many at all, um, to tell you.
think people think they had a really good offseason. Some of the moves they made, whether it be Chandler Jones, whether it be trading, trading for Devontae Adams, adding depth at different places. I have not seen these guys question. Now, again, if the players are in approval mode, those two are in approval mode as well. And I think they have no problem with right. that. I think they'll take that on. I mean, that you know, they that that's the position they put and put in. That's the power they've been given. I think they, you know, they seem to agree on on most, if not all, what they did in the draft. They said they had fun together. Obviously, they're very close friends. Um, so yeah, but to answer your question, I've seen, I've heard very little opposition of what they've done. Now, a lot of this has to be proven out, like you and I talked about earlier. This has to be proven right. out, whether it's players or, or those two guys. But um, there just hasn't been the skepticism uh, that some other regimes have had before they even get started. And I, I don't I don't see that here. And that's a good thing to go into OTAs with and rookie camp and all that and just go out and, and prove yourselves. Right, and that's all they can do is go out there and prove themselves. That's going to be and the coaches and Ed before I let you go I did want to ask about the defensive tackle positions they went and got two uh, one in the fourth round one in the seventh uh, one or one in the fifth round one in the fourth round uh, as far as just yeah. the attention to detail last season you know Gus Bradley really wanted the thinner guys the faster guys the guys that can get to the quarterback kind of shoot the gap this year it's it's all on the, the big guys in the middle to really have yeah. that beef and and slow down the run uh, how much do you think that that's going to help guys like Chandler Jones and help guys like uh, Max Crosby screaming off the edge if the if the interior is holding up a hundred percent I think there's what we we counted them there's nine or ten now not all <laughs> nine or ten are going to make the team I don't know if Neil Farrell um, I don't know what happens with Matthew Butler. Did they go and improve themselves? All the guys they signed and brought in, it's 100% running the defense they're now going to run that Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, like you said, can just let their hair on fire and go. If you know interior-wise, you're okay. So, again, I didn't, I, I, I didn't have a problem with the positions they picked because that's how they said they were going to draft. I guess the only thing I came out of it with a little surprise is there weren't no corners or safeties, but it seems they addressed that in their, in their uh, non-drafted free agents. And, yeah. you know, again, we don't realize who they might sign coming up here um, or who, who might still be out there. So to your point, I think it means a lot given the defense they're going to run that you're stout in the middle and you have two fantastic ends who I think are going to, you know, they're going to benefit from that a lot. Right. No, I do too. I really do. And I, w- I was with you with the cornerback position. I kept saying that that was going to be the next pick that they made yeah, and it I just so never too. happened. <laughs> I thought so too. Right. Just never they, happened. You know, they, like I said, he – he said that at the owners' meetings, and he, uh, he obviously didn't back down from it because they, they had two running backs and two defensive tackles. And his point was, whoever's the best or number one on our board, we're taking that guy, and we'll worry about the rest later. So whether that works out or not, we'll see. But I will give them credit for staying by their guns and, and doing what they said they were going to do. Right, exactly. I'm with you 100%. Well, Ed, before I let you go, uh, what do you have coming out on the RJ? What do you guys got going on in the press box that we need to be on the lookout for? Well, in the RJ tomorrow, the Golden Knights hold their uh, their getaway press conferences. That will be very interesting to talk to Pete DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon and the players about what happened and why they didn't make the playoffs beyond the injury. So that's that's going to maybe have some fire to it and a little uh, intrigue uh, in yeah. the press box. Bishop, Bischoff and I will probably continue our argument about grading drafts, so uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Well, he's here right now, so maybe he can uh, maybe he can hop on to argue about uh, grading uh, yeah, the draft he'll as hop, well. He'll hop on, and he'll be insecure <laughs> and talk about why he was right and all of that, so that's good. <laughs> Ed, thank you so much for your time, my man. It's great as always. I appreciate you. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes, Ed Graney from the 
RJ, the Las Vegas Review Journal, also from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, where you can hear all the LV Aces home games. They are broadcast live on our sister station. That's exactly why I'm here at Media Day for the LV Aces. Right now, my guy, William Ramirez, is talking to Coach Becky Hammond, standing right in front of me. She'll be joining the show at 3 o'clock, so we look forward to that conversation. But uh, coming up next, Raider Nation, want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. What is your overall feeling about what the Raiders were able to get accomplished during the draft? And is there anyone that you're particularly excited about in a draft where they had six players selected, two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, and two running backs? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. And here we are at Michelob Ultra Arena. We're here for the LV Aces for their media day as the season's right around the corner. Everything gets started on Friday, and the home opener is on Sunday. We'll have Coach Becky Hammond coming up at 3 o'clock at the top of the hour to tell you all about the upcoming season. Very excited to talk to Coach at 3. Then we'll be talking to Chelsea Gray about 3.20, and then the former MVP, Asia Wilson, will join us at 3.40. But right now, we've got some very patient listeners on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Like Raider Mike, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show, my man. Q, what's up, my man? Tell it, man. How you doing? Yes, sir. Uh, I. Everyone is giving us these stupid grades, including <laughs> your boy out of Houston. <laughs> but, I mean, let's look at New England. Chattanooga guard in the first round, picking a quarterback, Zap. What was it? The name Belichick. <laughs> so much. What's going on there? And they're giving them. It's up and down over there, but I, I think we killed it. I think we knocked it out of the park because we can address the cornerback in free agency after mm-hmm. what is it June first? Yeah, June first. We'll yep. figure something out. And this team is so loaded, people are going to want to come play for us, just like in the good old days with Al. Right. So anyway. We've got two monsters out of the SEC. One has a ring when he played with Burrow. And he, I don't know if you saw his film, that was against SEC talent. Yeah. He, he was throwing people all over the place in the backfield. He would take running backs and just slam them to the ground like they were nothing. That guy's a monster. And the kid out of Tennessee, same thing. Under the radar, I mean, look at the model of the old Patriots, the Cheatriots, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Vince Wilford was their, their basically nucleus of their defense. Right. We got right. two of those guys. And have we pulled Hankins back? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 back. And th- thank you for the call, Raider Mike. I appreciate you. Got to get to a couple more, but yeah, uh, I do think that they put together a, a nice little class. I don't, you know, like I said before, I don't think it's a A plus grade. I don't think it's a D. I don't. I, I really don't get into doing the whole grading a draft a couple days after the draft because you just have no idea. But I think for what they were uh, setting out to accomplish, I think they did a good job of it. You know, I think they got some players that can help contribute. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. I'll ask John McClain about his grade that he gave the the Raiders. If in fact he did give them that D that I saw floating around Twitter, but, uh, you know, again, I, I take it with a grain of salt when it's, you know, a couple days after the draft. I don't really, get, like I say, get caught up in all the grades, but I think that they did a decent job. Let's uh, let's go and talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? 
Hey, Q. Hey, what's up, man? Hey. Good, good, man. Uh, man, the draft was, was crazy in Vegas, man. Wow. What, <laughs> man, what a scene. What a scene out there, boy. Woo, you, get, you had to take about a week off to recover from that, uh, from work, man. Hey, Q, here's a couple of things, and I'll let you go. I know you're running out of time, man, and I appreciate your all, all the stuff you guys did on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Hey, that kid from um, defensive tackle Matthew Butler, watch. He's one of the best D linemen in this draft. You watch and see. Come mark my word, in about three years, yeah. you, will, you will be hearing about this kid. Great draft. I think that was a great draft. You, I, I was kind of puzzled with that, the, the two running backs. I know you didn't pick up, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, the running his back option. guy. Yeah. Um, Josh. Um, right. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year option, yep. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, fifth-year option. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why would you pick up why – would, why would not go to a linebacker? We did not address the linebacker again. We need that. I keep saying that. Every time I call you guys, that the linebacker, we haven't had a great linebacker in, in, in that building for a while now. I mean, we had pro bowlers, but I'm talking about somebody going to change it. Change it. But I, I, I give us a, a, a C-plus and, and – you know, C plus for the draft, but overall for everything, we got an A. We got Devontae Adams, right? That's all <laughs> right. I say. And why are they giving? Why are they so down on the Raiders? If you go look at Vegas, Vegas showing us like the twentieth team to win the Super Bowl. They got us like uh, fourth to win the AFC West. What is going on with that? Uh, I would. I, I wouldn't worry about it. Thanks for the call, Raider Mac. I wouldn't worry about where they got them ranked. They had them ranked to only win six and a half games last year. They won 10, 10 and went to the playoffs. So, uh, you know, they may adjust that a little bit. Uh, who knows? But uh, it, it's just it's just the numbers. It's the analytics. They put it down, and that's what they think. But uh, who knows? But I do agree with you. I think that they did, did a good job during the draft getting some players that they need. The linebacker position just wasn't, uh, wasn't, it, it wasn't that guy. You know, I mean, it wasn't ranked that high on the board so uh, thank you so much for that call i know we got aba ivan davis we're gonna take a quick break when we come back at the top of the hour we'll have coach becky hammond she'll talk all things about the lvaces we'll do that next this is red nation radio 920